Simple Pen Podcast. Pinterest for business advice that goes down smooth and easy. Here's your host, Kate All. with the Simple Pin Podcast. And today I am interviewing Angela Davis from frugallivingnorthwest.com. And we are going to be talking about how to build your email list using Pinterest. And this is going to be the most amazing episode because we're not only going to talk about all these tips and tricks for building your email list, but we're going to talk a little bit about the pitfalls to building your email list and some frustrations and Angela has tried to build her email list and figure out her email list like it is her job. And so I'm really, really excited for all the tips that she's going to share for you all to be able to try some of the same experiments. So with that said, welcome Angela Davis to the show. Hello. With that intro, there's only going to be disappointment. Pressure, pressure, pressure. No, it's going to be so awesome. And I should mention to everyone, too, that Angela and I are BFFs. Totally. And we talk a lot about this kind of stuff all the time. We literally call each other with our fantastic business building ideas and just say, like, what if you do this and blah, 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 blah. And then 90% of the time we don't do it. But there's so many children everywhere. There are so many children between us. So between us, we have we have three foster children from the same family between us. But that makes how many do we have? Eleven? Eleven children between us. So getting Some together is, is like eight too many. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's true. So we get together and we try to talk, but there's just so many people asking us for food constantly. So that really puts a damper on our business building. But today it's just us. So we're gonna share some of the things that we talk about like we're on the phone which these conversations are exciting because we just solve all the world's problems. All of them. And so first, before we dive in, Angela, tell us, for those who don't know who you are, tell everybody a little bit about you, Frugal Living Northwest, and bring us up to what you're doing right now. Okay. Well, I run frugallivingnorthwest.com. It was, we started it in 2008. The site is a blog devoted to helping women and families live life well on a budget, specifically in the Pacific Northwest, which is Oregon and Washington and some other surrounding states. I would say the first couple of years of my blog, it was just a hobby, a fun distraction from all the small children. And then a couple of years in, my husband and I realized that we could actually start making money doing this blog thing. And so we started working on that. And I brought on some contributors. And one of them was Kate... Yes, the best one of them all. That's right. And Kate worked with me for a number of years on the blog. And then she ditched me when (laughs) she started being so successful with Simple Pin. And now I'm essentially lost without her. Right. You're just wandering in the desert. That's right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now that we're up to speed as to where you're at with Frugal Living Northwest, let's jump into why we are even talking about building your email list. What is so important about that? Well, what everyone says is that <laughs> your email yeah. list is the thing is the only thing that you really own other than your, your website. And so you should be building your tribe, your audience on a platform that you own. We, we don't own our platform at Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever fancy thing you're using or Pinterest, but we do own our email list and we own our website. So that is the smartest place to be building your, your tribe, building people who love what you do and want to hear more from you. So these are people who've given you permission to communicate with them. And email is the primary form of communication for most people out there, regular people, people who don't, you know, work in the online space. Like they use their email and then they scroll through Facebook when they're trying to ignore their regular life. So email is where we should be putting most of our time and trying to build that list and then do a good job of communicating with those people so that they keep their addiction to you. Okay. And then there's two things I think we need to point out here. One is for those wondering like, well, what service do I use? There's a variety of services out there. There's a ton. You really just need to choose the one that's best for your budget. You need to consider how much you can actually spend. And you also need to consider 
user ease of use. So I will say for me, I started out using Mad Mimi because it was free, very easy to use. And my email list was very, very small. That was fine. And then I transitioned to get response as I got bigger. And I know, Angela, you started with a different email service and you transitioned to get response, but I can't remember what that first one was. Well, when I started, I was just using FeedBurner. Is that what it's called? The free service? Yeah, from Google. And that was back when I didn't even realize that you could do things with email. I was just sending out a daily RSS email. So here's the last 24 hours worth of posts. I thought that's what everyone was doing. And that's because I'm, you know, primarily a deal blogger. So we post a lot throughout the day so that, you know, that's a good system of getting the information to our user. And then a couple of years in, I moved to another service and it was pretty good. I suppose I didn't really know what I was doing, but it was not user-friendly for me on my end. It was, is it okay to say that like, I think it was built by men for men. Yes. That's so okay. like it was a lot of black type on a blue black ground. Yes. I don't know what to do with that. So uh, I don't know. I think I've been with Get Response as well for the last almost two years. And I like it. It yeah. works. And I think part of liking it is I like the price for my size of list. And it's fairly user friendly. And I've put the work in to learn how it works. So at this point, like for me to switch to something else, they'd have to be pretty awesome for me to have to learn a new system. Yeah, that's, I will say to you, I'll echo that as well. Get Response has been very user friendly and I'm not techie at all. In fact, I call Angela a lot to say, will you just create a new list for me and get response? Cause I don't know how to do it. And it's literally like three clicks. <laughs> I know. I all just, right, I'll do it. I have no desire to learn how to do it. So And also to distinguish here, what we're going to be talking about too with building your email list is we are going to be talking about components of actually talking to your email list, not necessarily just turning on the RSS feed. Because I know even for me, I was confused about that in the beginning as well. Like, oh, I just turn on my RSS feed and I don't do that anymore. I specifically talk to my audience on Wednesdays. Wednesday morning is when I send out the Simple Pin newsletter. And it has links to everything I've done on my blog, but I do not have an RSS feed. So Angela, you have a few components to your email list. You do have the RSS feed, but what else do you have? Yes, I do still run my daily RSS. So that would be the same time every afternoon. My one big list, my one big email list gets an email from me that just has a like a list of the past 24 hours worth of posts. And again, that works well because we post so often. And then I do have a number of other email lists within Get Response that are more targeted. So that big list, I call it my big list because it has the most numbers. And I don't really do much to it because it just kind of runs on autopilot. Um, and then I have a number of other smaller lists that are more, I guess the word we use is segmented or more niched, that I email in different ways on my own, like I do it, as opposed to it being done automatically through a feed. Okay. So why did you consider doing those smaller lists? What's important about having a targeted list? And why did you even start thinking about it? Well, my regular, my big list, my RSS list, it's had around, do you want me to give numbers? Are we numbering this thing? Boom. It's it's hovered around 20,000 for a number of years. I can't get this stupid thing to grow. It's really driving me crazy. Anyway, I realized that, man, I've got a lot of people on this list. But I talk about a number of different things on my blog. And certainly, some of these people want to get information. They want to see our recipes, but they don't really care about the Safeway coupon deals. Some people care about things specific to the Northwest. And there's some people who live in Mississippi who just want, you know, some other random thing that I'm posting. So I started to try to think more strategically. And it's only been about a year that I've started making lists, segmented lists. My main motivation was I was seeing some really cool affiliate offers that or affiliate opportunities that other bloggers were doing, like they were making courses or writing eBooks, things like that, that I thought, oh, part of my audience would love this. Another group of people on my big list is going to think it's stupid. So what if I were to start building lists that I could then 
you know, give them valuable information and serve them well. And one of the ways I could serve them is by introducing them to these really cool products and courses and all those types of things that would apply specifically to them, but not to the other group of people. So part of my reasoning, well, actually 100% of my reasoning was I was wondering, can I make more money by doing this, by being more strategic with which offers I'm offering to people? Mm-hmm. And you also notice too that you get a significant amount of traffic from Pinterest. I do, which is kind of a, you know, and we realize that I'm in this weird position where I have a, a local niche blog. You know, I'm blogging specifically 75% of the time to people who live in the Pacific Northwest, but I also get all this traffic from Pinterest, which is around the country and around the world because they're coming primarily from my money, general money saving posts and a lot of recipe posts. So they're going to come to my blog from Pinterest and they're going to see that my lead magnet or my freebie that I'm offering people to join my big list is, you know, four ways to save at the grocery store. Well, someone coming to my blog because they clicked on a quinoa patty recipe is like, I don't care about saving money at the grocery store. They're coming because they're interested in vegetarian recipes, you know, recipes made with real food, those types of things. So I realized like those people coming from Pinterest in particular have no reason to sign up for my email list because it has nothing to do with them. Mm -hmm. So what if I were to create a freebie or a lead magnet for just those people and then get them on a separate list and then share with them resources and posts and affiliate offers that would apply to really any in particular woman living anywhere in the world who likes to cook. Okay. So then give the the listeners, like what was your step-by-step? Like what was the practical thing that you did from identifying the post to executing the lead magnet? So give an example. Okay. So back in November, so November, 2015, we were coming upon Christmas season and I have a lot of cookie recipes and lots of recipes that people would be interested in around the holidays. So I thought let's launch, I'm going to start this homemaking list. So I call it my homemaking list. So what I did was um, I came up with a lead magnet and a lead magnet, again, is a freebie that you're offering to people to give them incentive to sign up for your email list. And I thought, well, I'm going to create a freebie. So I did. I created a one page document that's five recipes to master in 2016. And since then, I've changed all my promotion stuff to just say five recipes to master because I think we're getting into the time of the year Right now, you know, it's, we're coming upon summer where something like 2016 isn't going to be so appealing. So I just made it more generic. I don't know. I kind of thought that there's no evidence based on that. Right. So then I, what did I do? I created the document. I loaded it onto my blog. Is this the type of step-by-step you want? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I got it loaded onto my blog. And then I did the process to create lead pages. So I am a big, I love lead pages. I use them for as many things as possible mostly because it's easy to use, easy to make. And I think it looks pretty. Mostly it looks pretty. So then what I did was I looked at all as many of my homemaking posts, anything that would fit within homemaking. And I decided that that's where I was going to advertise this lead magnet. So I started by creating a custom sidebar that would go for all of my frugal homemaking Post. So anything in the frugal homemaking category on my blog would get this custom sidebar. So it wouldn't get the regular sidebar. It would get the one that was created just for my homemaking posts. So on the sidebar on those posts, it has a giant button graphic that is promoting the post. When you click on it, it opens a lead box through lead pages that the user would then enter their name and their email address, push send, and then they go through the process to get the lead magnet to their email. So that's in all of them. Also in my sidebar, I have removed a lot of the ads and extra stuff that is normally on my homepage or on, let's say, a coupon deal page. So that what you really see when you come to that post is, oh my goodness, she has this lead, like you see the lead magnet. And then inside each post, about in the middle of the content, I've added another lead box 
So what it looks like is just a graphic that says, get your free five-minute recipes to master guide here. You click on that and then that lead box pops up again. So they're never actually leaving my blog. They're able to sign up for the freebie right there, click out of it, and then they're still on the, on the recipe. So that is also in the middle of the post. So anyone scrolling through, if you want to get to the ingredients, you're going to have to go buy this lead magnet. So those are the two things there. Is that, did I answer your question? I think that, no, that's it. That's really good. Um, Cause you went all the way through and you identified the top post posts from Pinterest too. Like yeah. what were those posts getting the most traffic? So that's where I started. You know, all of my posts in that frugal homemaking category got the custom sidebar, but I did have to, I manually put the coding in for the in-post lead box. I'm certain that there's a plugin that you can use, but I don't know if that like would there put, is. but it, would it go in the middle of the content? Yeah, you can choose where it goes. I actually use it. It's called Easy AdSense plugin. It's really awesome. You can choose for wherever you want it to go, what type of posts you want it to go on. It's a plugin that you put onto your WordPress blog. It's it's pretty awesome. Now, the one hesitation that I have with doing that is on Posts that are more than, I think, a week or two old, my ad manager has ads that are put into the middle of my posts automatically. So when you come from Pinterest, you're going to see an ad in the middle of the post. And what I wanted to do is put that in-ad lead magnet graphic Mm -hmm. or ad in a strategic spot so it wasn't butted up next to the ad. Because what was happening, does that make sense? Like You don't want an ad ad. I want Mm -hmm. ad that makes me money. And then a little bit farther down, the ad that promotes my lead magnet. Yeah. So with this plugin, you could turn off them. You have an option of top, middle, and bottom. You can leave all three on, or you can turn one off, turn the other off, or turn two off. So you could leave the bottom one on if you wanted, but you can certainly do it the way that you did. Manual is totally fine. So then what I did, because I was doing it manually, is I started, because I mean, I didn't have like hours and hours and hours to do this. I identified the top posts in Pinterest, like what was driving the most traffic to my site from Pinterest. And I manually entered the coding into all those posts. And then after that, I went through and looked at all the posts that I have published over the last seven years during December. So that's really easy to drill down inside WordPress. And I added it there. So I thought, man, if someone's looking for cookie recipes around the holidays, they're going to come to these posts. So I made sure those were done. And then so that probably took care of over 100 posts. And, you know, that can be done while you're watching TV Mm -hmm. um, at night, which I do a lot of. Because I love TV. Um, And then since then, now when I run across a post doing other work that I see doesn't have that coding, I will just add it in. So I'm I'm probably 75% of our posts that we, that I'm promoting on Pinterest have the code in it. Okay. So now that you've got all this set up, let's talk about what happened. So you had it listed zero. Yep. What is it at now? It's over 800. Okay. So that's November... So that's five months, six uh, months, six months. Yeah. Six, seven months. Okay. That's pretty good. I would say, and, and you know, the most of my growth did happen November, December, January. And so I would say probably I got up to five to 600 within those couple of months. And then since then I've, you know, the, the growth has been slower, but so is Pinterest traffic. Yes, correct. Totally makes sense. I also think it's about time for me to make a new lead magnet just mm-hmm. in case there's you know, repeat visitors that already have it, or I can think of something more exciting. It's helpful to switch them out every once in a while. I don't do, I'm not crazy about switching out my lead magnets because it does, you know, it takes a lot of work, but I'd say probably six months is where the minimum at that's as long as I want to go personally before I switch a lead magnet. Okay. So now that you have these 850 people on the list, how do you keep it warm? Which that I quote that phrase from our friend Tiffany. Like she asked that great question. There is that work once you get them on your email list to keep it warm. So how yeah. do you do that? Because you can't just build this list and then email them affiliate offers. Like you have you have to be you have to be communicating with them regularly. Part of that is because you want the email to when when you do an affiliate email, you want it to actually end up in their inbox. You want them to recognize you. They you want them to know you a little bit based on past communication. 
so it is important to, you have to really work at communicating. So there's one part about building the list. And then the second big part that I don't hear a lot of people talking about is how do you cultivate that list? Like how do you keep those 842 people interested in you and what you are giving them? Mm-hmm. So what I do is I have an autoresponder series already set. So they get an email from me every Monday based on what time they initially signed up for the email. Cause that might be a good indication of what time they're going to be. That person's going to be at their computer and willing to look at their email. So get response has that option. That's pretty cool option. So then every Monday they get a post from me based on how many weeks it's been since they signed up for the email. So all 842 people on my list are not getting the same email every Monday. They're getting an email every Monday, but it's based on again, how long they've been on the list. And each of those posts or every email is a previous recipe or um, previous, yeah, a previous recipe or a post that has something to do that would appeal to someone in the kitchen, a woman who is cooking dinner for her family or something. So then what I've done is gone through and got, I have like a little schedule that I do a regular, I don't remember what it is, but something like a regular dinner recipe, a dessert, a tip or trick, like here's my 10 favorite cookbooks and then something else so that they're not just getting cookie recipes every week, but they mm-hmm. might be getting a cookie recipe like every five weeks. Okay. So that is set on an autoresponder. And the way that I do it is I want to train my readers to click. I want them to get used to clicking in an email from me. I'm very strategic and I only give them one link to click and I tell them click here to get whatever it is. So what I do is, you know, I have all this, I have years and years of content probably like 700 posts that would apply to a woman who wants to cook or be in her kitchen and do it well. So then I give them a little snippet of the post. Mm -hmm. Like I copy the text from the post and put it in the email template or, you know, I'm editing the email template. So then I, I do like two or three short paragraphs of conversation. I include one photo from I'm one horizontal photo from the post. So I'm not putting my Pinterest photo in there because I want it to be short. I don't want them to have to scroll. The more work that we give to an email user, the less likely likely it is that they're going to make it to the bottom of it. Usually I'm like, you're making my thumb move too much. Well, then I'm out of here, right? (laughs) Even though we scroll through Facebook nonstop. Yes. Or Instagram. Okay. And then in the, you know, at the end of it, it says click here to get the step-by-step recipe instructions for this recipe. And then that whole thing is linked because we want to have a really big link. So when people try to touch it, it goes to it. Nice. Does that makes sense. You know, some yeah. people just highlight the word here. And if I can't click it within one or two times, I'm out of there. Yeah, that's a really good point. Highlight an entire sentence. Don't just highlight one word, especially because they might miss it. Like yeah. not even see it. Who knows? Exactly. So I want to make it really obvious. And again, I only give them one place to go. I'm not sending them several different places. And that works for me because I am just sending them to a recipe. Like with your weekly newsletter, you have lots of things in in more than one link in there, but you're Mm -hmm. providing, you're like providing, here's a list of awesome stuff that the business blogger is interested in. Right. My audience has a very low attention span and I don't want them to get confused at all. Mm -hmm. And then at the bottom, I sign out like, see you later. Love Mm -hmm. Angela. So they get that every single Monday. So then the work that I have to put into that is that I need to stay ahead of my first subscribers, which I I was the first subscriber on that list because I'm not super organized. So I will know if I have run out of autoresponders if I don't get an email to myself on Mondays. Oh, well, that's a good reminder. That's a good catch. Yes. Like red alert, Angela, time to go add more. So then I will sit every couple of weeks, probably every two or three weeks, and I'll sit down and add six or seven more weeks of autoresponders to my list so that I'm always ahead of the first person. And I also have a spreadsheet in Google Docs where I have added all, like I'm starting to make the schedule. So when I sit down to do, you know, to fill in my autoresponders every couple of weeks, I already have a list that I'm going off of. So I spent a couple of hours one night 
making that master list so that when I do have time, it's already there. In the email, I say, go here for the recipe. And then at the bottom, I say, P.S., because all these email marketers always put P.S.'s at they the do. bottom. They right. do. You're right. And when I'm reading an email, I see a P.S. I'm like, oh, there's something extra. <laughs> it's so stupid. Like, we are all suckers. Anyways, yes. so I put the P.S. in there. I say, uh, P.S., if you are on Pinterest, you can pin this by clicking here. So then what I've done, and this takes some work, and by the way, Pinterest, if you're listening to this, you could make it easier by allowing me to search for pins within my account. Anyway, so then what I do is I try to find a pin of that recipe or that post that I have pinned to one of my boards that is popular. Okay. But now they've switched the numbers on it, so I don't I know. I know. The summed up activity is really throwing everything for a loop. I don't like that. Yes. you. The only way that you can find it is in Tailwind. You can search for a specific pin in there, and it will show you the most popular pin with the most repins. That's so that's awesome. your workaround. Yes. And then for people who are clients of yours who don't touch their <laughs> Pinterest account, we're yeah. screwed. So anyway, so I try to find a pin that is on my boards. Usually I try to find one that is on my blog board. Is that what you call it? Yes. Okay. So where I'm pinning just my content, I try to find a pin there so that I'm building that pin, you know, I'm building that number. Well, that was the previous strategy. I know. Or they added all the numbers. I know. We'll, we'll still just say that you're still trying to find that most popular pin. Yes. And I was spending way too much time searching for that. So then I finally realized, like, who really cares? And so now I'm trying not to spend too much time doing it. Yeah. Default, just go with the one on your blog board. Just scroll through. Totally. Because if you're doing it right and you're adding just one piece of content to your blog board or your product board, it should be easy to find. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to scroll through 2,000 pins unless you have 2,000 posts. And if you have an assistant, that's a good job to give to that person. Yes, that's a very good job to give to that person. Or to do while you're watching The West Wing. That's right. my, I'm watching The West Wing right now. Yes, you always get me into shows like The Newsroom. All right. Oh, so oh, we could go. We could do a whole know, podcast we, on we shows can't, can't, can't. to watch <laughs> while you're while you're blogging. I know it's so true. I don't. I I'm not a multitasker like you, so I can't do both. So it's one of working well, one or none. Okay. So here's the question I imagine somebody like me might have if they're listening right now. Okay. There's a few questions. One, you went from zero to 800. So 850 is not a common number that we hear when we hear of crazy email success stories. <laughs> we are hearing yes. like your list is going to grow by 10,000 and blah, blah, blah. Oh, good grief. So let's, ad- that. I know. So let's address that really quick. Like what is realistic for someone to expect in the way of growth and how do you not get discouraged based on what other people are doing? Well, apparently realistic growth is about 842 in six months. Yes. Well, that's good. That's a good number. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't know. C- considering that, I think you have to look at your traffic and the size of your other email list. Like, for, you know, for me, I don't have a giant main email list, like 20,000. I mean, that's awesome, but it's not, I don't think anyone's going to be, you know, trying to get me to create a course based on that, man, I just kind of, and I don't know what's realistic to expect. I think 842 in six months is really good based on that. I'm getting most of those people who sign up for that list are coming from Pinterest. So they have no idea who I am and no idea what I do. And they have signed up solely based on a graphic in my sidebar or inside the post with an offer for a free recipe guide. I think that's pretty darn good that I get that many people who've said, yes, I will take her up on that. And not only are they interested in the product, but they've gone through the process to go to their inbox, click on the confirmation email, click the link on the confirmation email. That's a lot of work for someone. Yeah, it is. It really is. Mm -hmm. So, and and then your second part of your question is like, how do you not get discouraged? I think part of it is number one, When you listen to other people's podcasts or blog posts or Facebook live videos or course promotion material, go this person who's telling me that they grew their email list from zero to 10,000 in 72 hours, what are they selling? Mm -hmm. What are they blogging about? I would expect that, Kate, your email list is going to probably grow faster than mine will because- 
there's more urgency for a small business owner, a blogger, you know, the people that you serve to get your information. Yes. Because they want to make money, right? Mm -hmm. People who are looking for recipes, not very urgent. Like I'm not doing anything special. I'm not doing anything terribly unique. I'm not doing anything earth shattering. I'm not curing cancer. I'm not solving any world problems by offering this recipe guide. Mm -hmm. So it is still an awesome recipe guide and it's still helpful and it's going to help certain people. But I think it's unrealistic to think that like my list is going to grow super fast and my open rate is going to be amazing because dude, I'm just sending people recipes. Yes. Yes. That is really important to know that you have to take your niche into consideration. Yes. That it is, you know, like you said, you can't compare a B2B business to business blogger with someone who's B2C or just you're, you're catering to a totally different type of person who's geared towards like a B2B person knows that the person on the other end is sitting in front of their computer for majority of the day. They are trained to open emails. They are trained to read these things, listen to webinars, all this kind of things. And they're eager for that information. I am not always eager to open up an email about another slow cooker recipe unless I have a need for it in that moment. I will get to it later. Yes. So I think it's just having realistic expectations. So that's the first part. So realistic expectations. The second thing is realizing that I have 842 people who've given me permission to talk to them. Mm-hmm. And that is pretty awesome. Now, not all 842 people are going to open that email and not all 842 people of those that are going to be interested or want to click on anything. But regardless, that's a lot of people that I get to talk to. Mm-hmm. So I don't need 50,000. It would be awesome to have 50,000 people on this list, but 842 is really cool. Yes, it is. And I imagine I heard somebody on a podcast one time talk about like if you had 842 people sitting in a room and you were able to talk to them, hey, well, that would be you'd be intimidated, number one, because you would be standing in front of all of them. But it's kind of that same theory, like you have the ability to talk to these people. You know, even if there's 10, you know, even if you only get 100 people signing up for your list, like you said, there's still 100 people who have gone through this effort to sign up for it. And then what you do is to go, I'm going to give this 100 people or 300 people or four people a really good experience with me. So I, you know, we were talking, you said, how do I keep my list warm? And I I forgot the second half of it. So the first half is doing that autoresponder series so that there's always something running for when I get behind. There's always something to keep them reminded of me. The second thing that I need to start moving towards is emailing them other content. So I have this idea that my plan, I do the regular post on Monday and that is a non- seasonal post. It's content that will be valuable all 52 weeks of the year. My next plan is to go to Wednesdays emailing my list with seasonal content. So mm-hmm. something that would ha- be pertinent to someone in the spring. And that that email, that content would go to my entire list. They would all get the same email. And then if I really get my act together, haha, right. is that on Fridays, I would email them our weekly homemaking content. And that would be another personal email. So that way, I I think for like a homemaking list, three emails a week would be really ideal. Then what I can do is when I have an affiliate offer, I just remove the Wednesday or the Friday regular post, like don't send them the content, but then I send them the affiliate post so that they do get on this rhythm of knowing that they're going to get three emails from me. And that is creating the expectation, the awareness, and then the expectation of information coming to you gets people excited and they start looking for your email. So on Wednesday mornings, I look for your email. Mm -hmm. On Saturday mornings, I always see Amy Lynn Andrews email. I'm like, sweet, it's here. And then I click on it. Mm-hmm. So just creating that that awareness and then expectation that there's going to be awesome stuff coming is really cool. And you just did an interesting experiment that I think you should talk about. And that is you did a webinar promoting a fashion course for our friend Kelly Snyder. And it was very interesting experiment for you because you ended up getting, what, 150 people on this fashion email list. And... Now you can market specifically to people who are interested in fashion. And even though the list is only 150 right now, 
you still have those 150 people who are engaged. So what that was is that I wanted to promote Kelly's course, Adore Your Wardrobe, which, by the way, is awesome. Yes. And Kelly was in podcast number four. So go ahead and listen to that one. And she talks a little bit more about that. Yes. And then in the fall, if you're ready to sign up for it, go through my affiliate link. Thank you very much. Okay. So I wanted to promote Kelly's course, but it felt a little awkward to promote the course full force to my big 20,000 email list. Because while it has something to do, it has to do with women, but it's not like really super fits with my niche of saving money, Pacific Northwest, making recipes type of thing. But I know that there's women in that giant list who are excited about fashion and how to save money doing fashion or buying things, whatever, that, that would want to do Kelly's course. So I made a webinar. So I wrote a webinar, did all the slides, and I actually did this like with three days notice because yeah, I don't plan. I no, work really, <laughs> I re- really well under pressure. Yes. I'm good at like ignoring all other people in my life and just doing this, doing a webinar. So I quickly promoted it to my entire list on my blog and through Facebook. And I was able to do that. I set that up through lead pages, doing lead boxes and those things. I didn't even have time to like, there was not enough time to get any traction on Pinterest on it at all. So I just did some lead boxes. I emailed my big list and said, sign up for the webinar. GetResponse now has a webinar option that works real seamlessly with building an email list because it's in the same platform. It doesn't work perfectly with lead pages, but I found a workaround. And if anyone wants help with that, you can email me. Yes, Angela is your person. I don't know how to, I have lead pages too and I have response and I send her questions all the time. Yes. And I mean, that doesn't mean that like I will become your personal non-paid coach. <laughs> yes. But if you're like, hey, I want to get involved with GetResponse, I'm going to switch. If you use my affiliate link, girl, I am on it. Yes, or help. man. Yes. Yeah, or dude, whoever. Yes. Doesn't make a difference. Um, okay, what did I do? So then I sent the webinar to my entire list. So what I did was I looked at the course and I said, I know this course is awesome, but how can I connect it with the frugal part of kind of what I do? How can I keep it within kind of what my audience expects from me? So I came up with the title, Five Ways to Upgrade Your Style Without Increasing Your Budget. Give myself props. That was an amazing Yes, that was a really good title. That was really good. And it's a perfect connector from my audience to Kelly's product. So I did the webinar. And when I did the webinar in GetResponse, they sign up for the webinar and you can do an advanced thing where you click a button and then you put them onto an email list as well. So they're signed up for the webinar. They're also on an email list and they don't have to do a double opt-in for that, which is pretty cool. I love that. Yes. So now I have a webinar list and I can email the webinar people like, you know, we have an hour until it launches, whatever. But bummer part with GetResponse, as far as I can figure out, if you don't get them on that second email list after the webinar is over, you can't communicate with them anymore. Mm. So you need to put them on that second email list. Well, then after the webinar, and I mean, I had like 160 people or so sign up and I think it was like 40 people showed up and that is initially disappointing, but it doesn't, that doesn't make any difference. My main purpose was to get them on that email list, that special email list of people who are interested in saving money on clothing and looking cute. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited about these people. So now I have them on the email list. I, over the next couple of days, I sent a replay of the webinar because I know that 120 people or so didn't actually watch it live. So I sent them the replay of the webinar that I do actually host on the lead pages page. And then I also emailed them over the weekend because I think there was like a five day, five more days of the promotion period before the course closed, emailed them about the course. So told my story. Oh, I sent them the replay, told them my story when it comes to fashion, and then sent them a couple of reminders like the course was closing. Now, I had about 160, 150 or 60 on the list. I had four people buy the course, which is a little disappointing in numbers, but in I don't really just care about that. What I realize is that I now have 150 women, probably women, who are interested in saving money on clothes. Mm -hmm. So now I have them, I can email that list strategically. So we just posted a Nordstrom post yesterday. I will email that list, that Nordstrom post, and I'm going to put a little comment like, hey, you signed up, you know, you saw the webinar. I'm so excited that you're here. Here's a great deal if you're interested in Clinique. 
and then I will send them to the post. And then as my, my goal is to continue to build that list specifically for the purpose of selling them Kelly's course in the fall. So mm-hmm. I'm going to keep that list warm and cultivate them and keep them interested in fashion and give them, keep it warm, keep them warm and, and show them that I can help them when it comes to their fashion and saving money so, and build that trust. And so I can have four months to get them ready to share Kelly's course again. And, you know, I know that I've bought things the second or third or fourth launch, even though I've been hearing about it for months or even years, because I needed to get used to the idea and get excited about it. Yeah. And that is an, doing a webinar like that is a really easy way to quickly build or get an email list started, especially if you already have a bigger general list of a group of people, you, you know, you create some webinar or even a video or some special valuable product, free product that they can access. And then that tells you that they are interested in that particular topic. Now I know if you were in infusion soft and some other programs, you can do tags and stuff, but you pay a lot for those programs. Yes, you do. So this is the way to do it. Like in the more normal realm of you know, like what a regular regular blogger that's probably not the right way to say it but a small average. to mid-sized blogger average blogger you know the uh, the amount of money that they can put into their email service and i think one thing to really hammer home here too is that you enjoy the combination of fashion and saving money. It's something that you could talk about with anyone of your friends, you're excited about it. And that's another key component that I think people miss out on is they're just trying to find ways to grow an email list, but they're not necessarily excited about it. They're just like, well, this looks like a good revenue stream eventually, or this looks like something eventually. Like do really what you love, like what you enjoy, and that will come across in an email list as you're keeping it warm because it builds trust over time, which is then how people end up wanting to purchase whatever product you're interested in selling. Right. And I think that's a problem like to build a list based on something that you're not excited about or you don't have a certain level of even minimal expertise is that that that's going to come through and that's not going to be worth your time and you're going to burn out on it or you're going to lose interest. So I try to be really strategic about the list that I build. Like, is this something that I'm going to be excited about for a long time? Is this something that I can see myself talking about for a long time? Do I have enough content on my blog to be communicating with people? Because I sit down and I go, man, I would, I get excited about things like, oh, I'd love to start a fashion a fashion list and I will email them personally. Like I'll write an email with lots of content in it like every week. I mean, that's not going to happen. So I need to make sure that I have some content on my blog to fall back on so that I could continue to give them information every single week or however often you want to email them. Yeah, that's a good point. Definitely for sure. Because if you have You know, I know for me, like I write my emails every single Wednesday and that can get exhausting because it's writing a fresh email every single week. And there are times where I go back to old emails that I've written a couple of years ago and I'll pull some of that up front too, or grab an old post and pull it up to the front because I just can't keep creating and creating and creating. So it is important that you have that blog content that you can share. If you have like heavy cheesecake recipes, then maybe you need a cheesecake list. I mean, I don't know if that would even resonate well with people, but at least something that is very targeted that you have a lot of and that you enjoy. That is very important. Yep. Okay. So we've talked about a lot here and we're going to loop it back around. So we're talking just in general, get started on an email list, you know, distinguish between RSS and between an actual written email. Make sure that you're looking for something You're targeting a list that you love, that you enjoy, and that you have realistic expectations, that you're not just listening to a lot of the big people that you see, maybe in sound bites as you're scrolling through Facebook, you'll see an advertisement for growing your email list, and it's a crazy, crazy number, but having a realistic expectation of how fast you can grow. And also that last part of just really figuring out a way to continue to build relationship over time. And and one thing I want to add to that is there's a lot of people talking about making lead magnets and how to communicate and all those things. And one thing that's been very helpful for me is to say, to look at myself and go, what types of communication am I good at? 
Mm-hmm. Where do I excel? A listener might be listening to our conversation and go, well, Angela just said she did a webinar, so I should do a webinar. And because then I want to build an email list of 150. But what you need to realize is that I am really good in front of a camera, not like my beauty, but like right. I, you're good at not being nervous and displaying really com- no. a lot of confidence. No, I love talking to people like a large group of people. I don't like talking to people in small groups. I suck at that. So like a webinar or doing a video is really easy for me. Also, this is something people don't think about is that I know how to make fairly good looking slides. So yes. a PowerPoint presentation or a Google slides presentation. If you don't know how to do that well, don't start with a webinar or doing a video where you're showing a presentation because either you're going to spend hours and hours and hours creating those slides or they're not going to look good. And dude, they got to look good. And let's yeah. can we just say as a side note, <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Already. Oh, holy night. When you're showing your slides in a, in a webinar, especially when you're trying to sell something, put it on full screen. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. We should not see your computer screen. Kate, I was just watching someone who's trying to sell a really big course. And like, this is like high, awesome stuff. I am looking at their freaking computer screen, like all this stuff in the background. Like there is a big link that says full screen. Push it. (laughs) Yes. I know. We talk about this often. (laughs) So yes, do full screen. And I will say too, that I have only ever done two webinars for my master course. And I am not, I like webinars, but it's, I don't love them as much as Angela. I would not choose to, that's not my favorite method of building my email list. So I appreciate that you brought up that point. Yeah. So figure out what am I good at and how can I take what I'm good at to communicate this? So like, if you are an excellent writer, then you should probably be writing. If you're not good at grammar, don't write an ebook. Yes, that would be me. (laughs) <laughs> no, actually, it's not you. I, I've gotten better over time. There's people who are bad at it. Yes. Or, or like, if you're not good at graphics, don't make a one-page cheat sheet. Yes. Or hire it out. Get someone to do it for you. Like, figure out what am I good? Like, maybe you're not good at graphics or you're not an awesome writer, but man, you can get in front of a camera and really do well. Then do a video freebie or, you know, do something like that. So don't, please do not listen to this as so many people do. They hear this idea and go, well, I have to do that. Don't listen to this and say, well, Angela said that she built a list by doing a webinar. Now the formula is do a webinar. No. Mm-hmm. A webinar yes. worked for me because I'm good at it, or I think I'm good at it. Maybe I suck at it, and I just think I'm I have no, really good self, at it. I, I have really high self-esteem. <laughs> yeah. And I have a pretty big email list to go to to then pull people out of, where people can self-identify like, yes, I like fashion, so I'm going to watch this webinar. So you might mm-hmm. not have the same results if your email list, your main email list is 1,000. I wouldn't expect 150 people to sign up for the webinar. No, but if you realistic. had like 20 or 30, 20 or 30, yeah, that would be, 3%. that would be awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I so appreciate people who just give really solid information because it is hard to hear people say, this is what your goal should be. Your goal should be a hundred email subscribers a week or 50 a week or whatever. Yeah. And every week I'm like, I'm such a failure. Why do I suck so bad? Yeah. And you just get you and then you end up giving it up and you throw up your hands and you're done with it all together. And that is not what we want people to walk away from this thinking. Oh no, not at all. Like we want you to walk away with this idea that you can build an email list and it might just be one or two people at a time. It could be slow. It could be fast. We don't know. But the greatest thing is that you get to figure out what works best for your people and your audience and figuring out who your target is. And we had talked about that too in episode four with Kelly being very strategic about figuring out who you're targeting. And that's really where it opens up the whole opportunity to grow. And so what you did was you figured out, hey, I've got all this Pinterest traffic, they're homemaking, and then we're going to branch it out even more from there, the fashion, the, you know, whatever it might be, which is important to note. Right. Okay. So that is a lot. We're at the end. This is you know, I'm surprised we didn't break this up into a two-parter because I was really expecting that. But Well, apparently I have, like I said, I'm disappointed. What else can we talk about? <laughs> right. We're under an hour, so that's really good. But okay. what we can talk about is where people can find you and where they can watch what you're doing 
and see kind of this whole stuff in real life? Well, my website is frugallivingnorthwest.com, which can I can I note really quick that please do. Angela just got that domain with Northwest written out. Mm. So you can also do frugallivingnw.com. But yes. Northwest, it's a, a huge achievement that you have Northwest now. Well, I mean, and people are like, well, you just go to GoDaddy and type it in. I have been waiting for years for some squatter who is trying to charge me $900 plus to get that domain. Now, obviously, when I purchased frugallivingnw.com, I was dumb and didn't think I should get some variations. But all of a sudden, one day, they just let it go. So I got it for 10 bucks. <laughs> yes, I'm the winner. Cool. That's really good. And then you work in your Pinterest page is it's frugal living NW, isn't it? It sure is. Mm -hmm. And they can go to your Pinterest page, which I think looks pretty fabulous because I actually have worked on your Pinterest page since from the beginning. I grew it from ground zero. Mm -hmm, You sure did. And I look today, I've got 37,000 followers. I know. Isn't that so exciting? I know. I love it. You want to know the best part? I have nothing to do with it. (laughs) Yes, you don't. I don't know why people want to do their Pinterest page by themselves or for (laughs) themselves. Good grief. I know it has been fun. Yeah, you can kind of see the evolution too. Angela is really good at graphics. And so if you go to her blog board, you can kind of see what she's played with and things that she's changed and updated. And you can see what we've done over there because she has been on since the beginning of Pinterest time. So an early adopter, but we didn't really start using it until 2013. And one other thing you can do if you want to see my frugal homemaking stuff, where you know where I'm talking about having a custom sidebar and the different graphics I've used, I think this will work if you go to frugallivingnorthwest.com slash frugal dash homemaking. That is all of my frugal homemaking posts and any one of those posts is going to have that special sidebar. And I think that, I mean, we should, we could do a whole nother podcast on custom sidebars as well. Mm. Really could, so. really could. And for those looking for the links, you can definitely go to the show notes for this episode and that's simplepinmedia.com slash five. And so we will have everything over there that you need to know for building your email list in a realistic way, realistic using Pinterest. It's great. Well, thanks, Angela. We totally appreciate the time you took to explain all of your lessons, pitfalls, experiments, whatever it is you did. You did a great job. Thank you so much. All righty. Have a great day. Okay. That was a ton of information about building your email list using Pinterest. I hope that you can walk away with some really, really actionable tips that you can use for your audience. You can find all the information and show notes at simplepinmedia.com slash five. Thanks so much for listening. And I would love it if you would leave a review in iTunes.